0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Political Agenda, brought to you by New Narrative, with me, your host, PJ Thumb. I am wearing a blue and white party shirt, and I'm actually on a blurred blurred Zoom background, and my pronouns are he, him. And today, we have the winner of our contest. We invited lots of uh, members of New Narrative and our audience to write in and tell us who they thought should be the next Prime Minister of Singapore. We interviewed four of our best entries. The public you voted. And today we have our winner, Mr. Yo Kian Pri. Congratulations, Mr. Yo. Hello, hello. Thank you. Yeah. So uh why don't you tell us a bit about yourself um,
1: and uh you know your background. Oh, uh currently I'm working as an IT support, so working in IT line. So uh, originally I was uh, a Malaysian. I think I did I you last time, but I forgot, but originally I was Malaysian. I converted to Singaporean about two, about two, three, two years plus ago. So now uh, for the past 20 years, I come here to study university, IT line. So for the past 10 over years, after I graduated, I basically working in IT line along the way from IT support, software, coding and some, some some kind of application support, I would say, yeah.
0: Cool, cool. Okay, what made you decide to come to Singapore from Malaysia? Which which part of Malaysia are you from originally?
1: Originally from the Johor Bahru, I think.
0: Oh, okay, so you're just, with it. <laughs> yeah, of course, we all love Johor Bahru and you just hopped across the border. What made you come here?
1: Well, actually, uh, maybe that time I was uh, 20 years also, so, I have two choice. It's book IT, but in uh I got a uh, offer from uh, the one of the university in uh Beneng, University of Science of uh, Malaysia, mm-hmm. one is NUS here. Say I prefer the the university data because they give me more specific uh computer computer game graphic design, meaning basically doing the game programming at the time. I thought it should be interesting and there's always market for that. Here is more of the how do I say general computing? So, uh, I will say that time. Uh, after thinking for some time, I uh, thinking the the future, or even maybe the prospect in Singapore might be better because it's it's always like a global city for us, like from Malaysia. Uh, Penang also good. it's just that we find after comparing both. So this all a few that time. Uh, so I come to here after that consideration about the future, the prospect.
0: You know, it's very interesting. The um, only other, um, so I, I've always made this joke right, in my videos about how Singaporeans, no Singaporean, can tell you who um, the people who are running with Taman in Jurong, GRC are. Because all, all of us care about is just that we vote for Taman. Mm-hmm. And so I said this at a, a talk several years ago in Johor. And then one person put out his hand and said, I can tell you who the other four MPs in Jurong GRC are. And he proceeded to name all of them. And I was like, wow, that's great. You're actually very politically aware. And he said, well, actually, I do mention I'm actually Malaysian. I'm from Johor. <laughs> I just work in, in Singapore in Jurong GRC. And so I was like thinking, hmm, how is it only the only person in this room? you know who actually knows uh, all of this is Malaysian is are Malaysians do you feel like and and now of course you've won do you feel like Malaysians because of your system because your system has like you know once needs more active participation is more contested that you actually pay more attention to politics it's just naturally um, like that
1: i i would say the environment if you thought about like, the speech like the, the, the thing you're allowed to say maybe it's more free there also i think it's a loop. it's like if you have more uh, you have stronger stronger opposition and or even more forgiving uh, governing party then you have more people want to know about this because it's concerning their daily life and the more people have the uh participate in thing or speak car or even like want to discuss thing right you will actually produce like more forgiving governing party or even like stronger opposition because it's a feedback loop, right? I yes. mean, because if I'm opposition or even I'm not saying opposition, like whatever party, right? I need to know whatever I say is people is supporting me. But if everyone keep quiet, maybe in the vote count, I also know, okay, I, I'm winning. But what people actually thinking I might be losing touch or even what people are with. So it's a, I would say it's a loop, right? It cannot say. It's more political aware or even is it a party form of forgiving? It's a it's a circle, I would say.
0: Yeah. That's mm. yes, that's actually very wise. And I think spoken like an engineer, right? And I think the opposite feedback loop is in Singapore where the government discourages people from talking, so people talk less, so there's uh
1: you know less space mm. and people are disincentivized. I Has would have been the impression. I would think that uh because I enjoy this only this 20 years um, I mean yeah. I'm not even previously I don't even so so much involved in it but from what at least what I know right, I think in the initial part of the uh, the nation building I mean little time right there is some um, how to say there's large part. Of, I, I would say much of the population might be willing to give up this part of prison just to make sure that the life I think I have a better life at least yeah. my living standard should be reaching something now it's because i think uh people the, the living standard i think is quite high already at least i don't think people will die of hunger here i mean, maybe there is but very less oh yeah there are There is definitely there I, I see yeah. some another guy saying something about housing and nutrition i think there is, but now i would say majority of the population maybe they feel like my basic life is taken care of at least mm-hmm. i won't that of like hunger of nutrition, mm-hmm. I will start to know, I would like to know how my country going to be, or at least yes. I'd like to tell, maybe not tell, uh, voice out what I feel that my future and uh, my country future will be. So people start to speak up, I think. And mm-hmm. I think sense. the social media also play with a big part because it's like, like the feedback looks the same thing. If I'm alone, like, some of the as I did last time, if I, I'm alone, I don't need to say anything because I'm like facing the whole country, the whole country machinery. Right? But based on social media, right? If you just see any okay, currently is the M O H Facebook page, right? You will see a lot of people like complaining or even scolding because they did something not so incorrect, I think. But and when people see more people say like, is like. I was say same thing. The people look more people say then dare to say. If I dare to say, become more people will say. So that's why I think the social media. Uh, I would think that the change, the government transition happening in mm-hmm. Malaysia, right? Did this social media play a big part also? Because people start to realize, oh, actually, a lot of people want to change, or even a lot of people realize a lot of people don't want to change. Like people start talking to each other. This yeah. doesn't happen when you are in locally, like I'm Tampines, yeah, 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 you know, do, do you, do you wrong yourself? Right, right. I see.
0: Yeah. Oh and and you know, for the same reason, I'm very glad that you entered this contest because uh, you know, it shows that there are people out there from all walks of life uh who have um, you know legitimate opinions about who should be the next prime minister. Um and the support that you got, you won 57 votes, so you had four more votes than the runner-up. Um and people like uh, endorsed your uh, argument and they felt you made the best argument. And as it turns mm. out, you know, um, and and you know, I think it it will encourage people to speak up. And as as it turns out, you also correctly predicted who will be the next prime minister. So did you have any? Well, well before we I ask you that, let's play a short clip from your um, the previous interview on this podcast where you explained your argument.
1: Actually, I have uh, think of three reasons the why why I chose him. So for the first one is the recent COVID situation. He was one of the money mystery task force uh, to people in charge. So I think he handled the situation, at least the way he presented the message, I think is quite well. And I think the way he said in the press conference, like how we should calibrate and how say, observe the situation and make up our next decision. I think this is a good, um, good leader to like, uh, how, how should treat a crisis like this. And also, I think during the whole COVID situation, I think I don't see much negative nuances in his, how he handled the situation. So I would think that this, this attitude should be commonly accepted by the people. Second point would be like, uh, from what I know, he's, he's quite a long-term PAP member. So he probably know how the polity work, hopefully. And I think he should know how the party, the PAP know how, how it works. He should know how to rally the party to like move the country forward or even like at least don't change the policy so much because i think that might be best for the singapore also and like when i say that really also same thing because uh why i choose him also i think that because in future singapore might should go through more than one party maybe multi-party so that, that's why in the parliament you might have more negotiation or discussion about the best policy going forward so i think as a long-term pap member he should be able to unite the pap and uh, negotiate with other party for this policy discussion so the third point is uh, his experience uh, actually i do some google search he, he actually have some experience in the ms and ministry of finance and ministry of uh, trade and embassy he's currently in the business of finance so I think he should have the opportunity to know about some of the country mm-hmm. um, how it, important financial data and being the minister of finance, I believe he should have uh, a social to like international business. How, how should we conduct international uh, business in, in between the country? And also maybe uh, being uh, assigned as a minister of finance. I think he should know how to develop an economy, but and also actually, I um, watch his recent the uh, budget present. Uh, actually, I think his presentation is I would say okay, not excellent because I I think finance is not so to be exciting, but I think it's okay. Yeah, so this is the reason why I chose to Lawrence Wong. Okay, and
0: that was Ken. We talking about uh why he thought Lawrence Wong should be the next prime minister of Singapore. So you predicted that Lawrence Wong basically did you think that you you know you made the argument,
1: but did you think that he'd actually become prime minister? Uh I would say I would say I predicted it, like, because it's based on the performance of it. I, I would think that after Heng Sicet uh decided not to go for the top position, so the other two uh, the other three percent they say keep saying like, Jun saying on Kang and uh, Lawrence Swan, sorry. Yeah, and it's just based on my observation. I feel that which one is like I like what I said today on in the in the video, right? Is it's not really I predicted it. Like I just observe because I observe. Right, I, mean, I, right. I, I watch I watch all their MTF uh press conference. I'm not not all most of them, and I also watch some of their parliament hearing and sitting all these thing. So at least out of this few candidate like even the media keeps saying i think he might be the best candidate i can think of yeah not really a critique i cannot (laughs) do
0: well I, i see your point i mean if there are only three candidates and then they're constantly in front of people because of the pandemic and you look at which one did the best of the three then it's it's actually pretty obvious um, but do you also mm. think that you know one of your conditions was uh, remember that um, you said he would face uh, a lot more opposition. So do you think that the opposition will also then come up a
1: lot more mm. in the from the, the next election? I know, oh, I don't think. oh sorry, I think the condition I say is like uh, if he's in. I don't think it will happen in the next even next or next next election. The opposition side increase a little bit, but I don't think it will increase like what I say But, but the percentage I, I put up, right? it, it not that say I'm thinking the next I Actually it might not happen at all, but I would think that it might be a to say, in my mind perfect perfect situation for the best uh cannot say best maybe more suitable policy to come out because like I say in the video, actually uh each party actually it's always represent certain part of the voice. You, might, you can say you don't agree with it, but you can't say it's right or wrong. Like mm. some of the, uh, I think one of the, one of the party I mentioned that he want to chase out all the foreigners. but I mean, mm. any sensible or even any, not say, not Singaporean, any country, you know, you cannot say, oh, only locals, but it's a, but this kind of voice need to, maybe you can ask them to go in, but at least bring it like, okay, there's certain power group people want this, maybe you moderate a bit because you want to win back the support right but you cannot be like, oh, everyone go out only workers because well, I mean Singaporean is an immigrant country initially right? people yeah. see or I mean most of the I mean, most are, most of the uh, population now here is coming from China last time. So or India or yeah. the Middle East or yeah, the, the rest of Southeast Asia, yeah here was called Malaya, i think yeah last time is malaya so they must say all this is an immigrant i think the um I'll back back to the parliament sitting so what i say like i think there's some certain policy from stp uh i think about health came along and one of the uh http as well uh singaporean only HTB like different market this kind of idea i think uh you might not decide to implement. But I think it's good that to bring up to uh parliament actually public phase to discuss. Not mm-hmm. initially discuss, discuss, right? We maybe start to realize actually we still prefer the current. You never discuss, right? You always have the mind, like whoever it is you have the mindset, what if this happen? Because I don't think it should happen because uh, at least what I observed from Malaysia, right? Uh, because you should know exactly what will happen. I mean as a citizen, you should know what will happen if you really change the government. If you really change, you shouldn't think it mm. what if huh? Maybe better. Let's like gamble because you cannot gamble. Actually any country should not gamble. So I would think that if you have more discussion, might not be the parliament level because parliament is already really a policy, policy, uh I mean already creating the policy, but I think at least have more mm. I say more platform for this kind of discussion happens because at least now I don't see much. Even some of the seminar talk about really housing or even medical, as in healthcare, right? I would say the participant is like uh, very less uh, compared to Malaysia because Malaysia, it can be thousands of people. It's, it's not election time, no, it's like mm. normal time. They talk about, okay, is this education policy is this suitable. Mm should we get more to malays uh, a lot of race-based things there but here you don't see even though even the election time right is but election is not a good time to discuss things is to generate vote it's mm. like oh we fight fight it's not time to say we think singaporean housing should be healthcare 60 years old or 65 we don't have i think in singapore don't have this platform to discuss this um so yeah that's mm. why i but that's why my argument of all those mm. like, that makes a lot of sense, you know, yeah. Um, I, I think I,
0: I I should correct you, the parliament is a place for debating these things, right? That's what parliament, Uh, the role of parliament is. The policy formation comes from the ministries, then they put it up to parliament, and then parliament debates, and then there's a process of um, debating it through several sittings normally, and then you make amendments, the government can uh, you know, propose changes, the opposition can propose changes. So Parliament actually is a place for debating. It's only that in Singapore, because the Parliament, uh, because the PAP has, has such a super majority, they can shut down the debate. They just put up a bill, and then there's a token one-hour debate, and then they just vote and pass it But if you look at the same parliament in Malaysia or in other Commonwealth countries, which use the same system, there's actually a very vigorous debate about many of these uh, bills, um, which have been proposed by the relevant ministry and the relevant minister. And these debates can take several months to to resolve. So Mm. I think parliament really is a place
1: where where you should see a lot of these debates happen. at least what the order for the parliament city in singapore is actually what you say is i, I would say uh maybe partially correct because uh some of the major by major uh policy uh say affecting really the whole country's some uh i don't know as a criteria because some sometimes sometimes the policy is quite small about maybe smoking or even like how 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 early or how late should the school start time like, for me, I don't know if it so important, but definitely affecting the daily life. So but parliament you know, spent spend spend a lot of time on this, but uh I'm not sure if it good or bad. But like what you say, when I if I mean I don't bl- blame anyone because if I have a majority, right? I should the good thing about this count, kind of, you say the majority, right? If the policy is correct or even suitable, or even I would say good it will be very fast, efficient, the, the country will progress very fast. But the same thing, if the thing is wrong, right, the, the country will go down very fast also. The scenario you say about the debating, right, it slow down the process, but uh, at least the probability of making mistake is less, but at the same time, the progress will be slow, because maybe a simple policy take months, or, or whatever it takes months. So, is always the trace off we need to yeah. need take to, need to like, I think you're
0: absolutely right. Because the PAP the always says, you know, oh, we want fast, efficient policy making. But fast, efficient policy making doesn't mean that it creates the right policy. Because if you don't have the opportunity for people to speak up and debate, and you don't include all the proper stakeholders, then the policy can be very, very wrong. And we've seen very disastrous PAP policies uh, be passed um, over the years for example most famously stop at two or the graduate mother scheme right Um, and or attempts at uh, our the very unpopular um, you know um, reforms to the CPF for example so So I think you're right so what is the stop at two Oh, it? yeah, that 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 is uh that predates you uh. So back in the eighties, uh, seven late seventies uh into the uh, well, in the eighties rather, um, the government felt that Singapore's population was growing too much, too fast. So they told Singaporeans stop at two. We actually in the sixties and seventies we had. At one point, the highest population growth rate in the world, because we're a small population, right? So obviously, if everyone starts having lots of kids, we were all getting richer and families were having a lot of kids. The population was really booming. And so the government got very worried that we couldn't support a big population. So they said, you told everyone to stop at two. And they really pressured people to stop at two. They offered incentives, tax incentives, money incentives for women to sterilize themselves, um, punish people if they had more than two children. The third child, for example, would uh, be at the back of the queue for school choice, right? When you want to pick your primary school, secondary school, a third child would be all the way at the back of the queue. So there's a lot of punishments. So that's why you look at my generation, right? All my generation only has one sibling because of the punishments, Uh, Um, and then at the end of the 80s, suddenly, because the population uh, replacement rate had dropped so much, the government realized, oh, we made a big mistake. Now we don't have enough people. So then they switched the policy quickly to three or more, and that's the same policy today, where they tell uh, Singaporeans, you must have more children, and they have tax incentives. They have cash awards, right? Preferential treatment for families who okay. have more children. You see, so it's like a, a you know a hundred and eighty degree U turn overnight.
1: Because first, the is first t- t- wrong. Okay, currently okay. it's not understand because now maybe people realize. Uh, I mean, encourage more people is sometimes it's a national security time as national security issue. But during that time, why is the argument or what is the? I mean, why they make this decision because. There might be some reason. I like, you know, some suddenly. I thinking, oh, too much people no good. Then I just stop people from What well, any argument or any? I mean, why they do this decision? Like, cannot you know, be just suddenly they decide, right?
0: Well, so in the late seventies, we were actually we had gone from being um relatively poor country to a uh, mm. we were fast becoming a rich yeah. country. Yeah. Cost of living had uh you know, the standard of living had increased drastically, but the cost of living also increased drastically. But what was the most important thing, I think, for this is that we had reached full employment. So Ah. Singapore in the 60s, there was a lot of unemployment, right? And the PAP was able to create a lot of jobs quickly. And that's one reason why they're so successful. Mm. By the end of the 70s, we actually had reached full employment And Singaporeans' living standards had increased to the point where uh, the cost of labor had risen a lot as well. And so the government was very worried we're going to have a lot of kids and not enough jobs for them. And that it's going to be very expensive, right? Because back then we had things like free healthcare. Healthcare was virtually free. Oh, really?
1: Uh Yes. I cannot imagine.
0: Yeah, I know. You cannot imagine, right? We were very much a socialist country back then. Uh, so uh, we actually had virtually. You can read about it on New Narratives. We okay. have um, articles about the history of our healthcare, um, okay. and that housing was heavily subsidised, even more than today, um, and the cost of housing was kept, you know, relatively low. So all of these things, the government's yeah, very insane. worried we're going to have to pay for all of these if they have lots and lots of kids, and at the same time, there's going to be lots of kids and not enough jobs. So they wanted to keep the population down. Oh. But the, then what happened was that uh, at the same time, the government wanted to transform our economy into a much more high value, high tech economy. And in that sense, they were very, uh, you know, they were correct. They foresaw that uh, the countries that would do best were more generative of ideas that were more, you um, you know that that weren't the the countries that did manufacturing, but the countries that came up with intellectual property and moved up the value chain and uh, you know had uh, industries which were a lot more um, highly value added. Um, but the problem was rather than trying to ease up on the control of Singaporeans and encourage people to be more innovative, they just passed legislation trying to force Singapore to become more high-tech, to become uh, you know, have higher salaries, higher paying jobs. And the profits of foreign capital plummeted, right? The profits of capital investment
1: well, plummeted. Well, how you pass a law to force people to be high-tech? You can't exactly. <laughs> you can't, you can't force people to
0: be innovative. You can't like Clamp down and make people more innovative, but that's what the government tried to do. So it was a big disaster. And long story short, if you want to know more, you can uh, listen to my other podcast on New okay. Narrative and stuff. But long story short, the major crisis, big recession, uh, it was a big disaster. And then at the same time, because the government said, oh, we are already first world and we're going to reach a you know a European standard of living, they slash. Um, subsidies for healthcare, for CPF, they slash contribution rates. They mm-hmm. slash the the subsidy for HDB, right? <laughs> the other way around, what? If I want to have a, yeah, their perspective is, oh, we already house everyone. Why do we keep subsidizing, right? Okay, people can afford to pay more, and then they should. They started having the attitude they have now, where oh, people must pay in order to respect. If you don't pay for something, you don't. Uh, understand you don't value it right which is, is crazy because um, you know whether or not you pay for education or the clean air or clean water you still <laughs> value it right yeah, yeah. so it's it's a very very narrow way of thinking so again like brief summary uh, they changed the way they thought they changed the way that they looked at society um, and then there was this whole period where They felt that part of the problem was that they weren't using the population effectively, efficiently. And so they introduced eugenics, the graduate mother scheme, where they wanted uh, people with good genes to have more children. It's all very morally dubious. Um, So again, long story short, in the end, it was all of this was not working. They abandoned it, returned to the sort of model we have today, which is, low wage, uh, sorry, low cost labor, high foreign investment, high foreign funding, um, where Singapore is is a place where foreign investment comes and makes profits. And and in order to do that, we needed to raise our population again, so that there is a bigger pool of uh, workers for employment. But because the government had spent a whole generation suppressing the birth rate, it wasn't enough. So the government also then opened the doors to a foreign labor. And that's where this today, this, um, how the flood of foreign labor started then, right? And so the controversial issue today of lots of foreign workers, both at the low end and the high end, this is where it started from. Because before that, you know, Singaporeans were occupying all these jobs. And it was only around 1990 where the government, because of all these mistakes they made and they needed to drive the cost of labor down, they said Singaporeans should have more children, but they also opened the floodgates to a lot of low cost foreign labor. And, and that's the same model that we have today. So, yeah, that's oh. the very, very short version oh. of
1: the history. Oh, I didn't know the, the, this part of history for Singapore actually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I will um I'll I'll send you
0: my my book when it comes out uh mm. on the history of yeah of Singapore, my my next book. Um but there you can also uh, you know see this on newnarrative.com and also on the show PJ Thumb on YouTube. I have an episode. I'll put it in the show notes, but I'll also send it to you. No,
1: I watch the I I watch all your the PJ Thumb show. Yeah, about yeah, discretion, that thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I watched it, but also it's the episode on our economy where yeah. I try
0: and explain, you know, the our reliance on foreign capital. So
1: I I uh, summarize the economic history. Here. I, I watched the one, up but the time I don't understand because maybe yeah. I didn't participate. So okay, I go to okay. I should watch again. Yeah. Then what, what were we talking about? How can we come come to Lawrence you? Wong? How do you think he's going oh, okay. to do? Yeah. I don't think that much will be changed because uh, I mean, unless, unless the really change of uh, different party, like they go for different value, but I don't think it will much changes. I would think is if we take over the top position who just like maybe based on the, whatever happening on the ground or even like each election result, he might adjust the policy a little bit, but I don't foresee anything would be changed much i would say unless the election results really come from some really some extreme result, mm. maybe they will do more but else i would think it's just a i mean every every normal government will do that adjustment of, according to what happening on the ground i think i don't want to see anything big happen if he disappeared <laughs> anyway okay
0: so i think that's all the time we have henry thank you so okay. much for for coming on the show uh mm. congratulations again for winning the contest mm. um and uh yeah thank you also for having the courage to express your opinion because it's you know in singapore people don't always uh, have the uh there's so much fear right so i i'm, I'm very grateful that you um, entered the competition and, and spoke out so thank mm. you once again uh thank you to our listeners and uh, for all our listeners, if you've enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoy what New Narrative does, please do join New Narrative as a member at newnarrative.com join or donate at newnarrative.com donate. Thank you very much and see you next time. Mm.